The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We're about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to our special NFL Draft Weekend edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm so honored to introduce to you my extra special guest this week. He's one of the professional athletes that I represent and someone that I admire and love like a family member, Andre Smith, number 71 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome to A Current Life, Andre. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you making time to join us today during this very special weekend. Um, You know, NFL Draft Weekend is always an exciting time, and I wanted a guest that uh, that embodies the excitement and the spirit of the NFL draft in a way that you do. Uh, this show is about life's journey and the ups and downs that we all have to overcome to get where each of us is meant to be. So I'd like to kind of start out with you know your early years and ask you what you were like as a little boy growing up in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, my mom and t- my mom and dad would tell you that uh, I was a great kid growing up. I mean. A lot of fun, a lot of great times, a lot of great memories. Uh, my parents also like to tell the story about how I tricked them to having more kids. So I was such a good child growing up. So that's one of my mom's favorite stories. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to ask her to reconfirm that. But were you, uh, I mean, were you, what were your likes and dislikes? What were the things that, you know, you hated doing and what were some of your favorite things? And maybe your one memory you can kind of point out to your to the listeners. Uh, I really didn't hate doing much growing up. I mean, I had a lot of responsibility, you know, uh, helping my dad, my mom, raise my brother. They worked all the time, so I kind of, like, helped raise my younger brother a lot. And, I mean, I had a lot of great times growing up. One of my more famous, well, more fun memories was when I went to, we always went to church when I was growing up. And I loved going to church. It's a passion of mine. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the whole praise and worship idea. And, um... I just really had a lot of fun growing up. I really didn't have too many bad memories. Probably the, one of the bad memories actually turned to be the best thing for me. My dad taught me how to hustle on a football field and told me how to finish and work hard throughout life. And so I finally figured that out, and it's paid off tremendously. Let me ask you, I assume you agree with me that, that having sports when you're young really helps you stay kind of focused and out of trouble, and it's something that's so important for all of our kids, I know you know my kids, and 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 especially my youngest one, and he plays three sports. Would you agree with me that 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 those sports programs in the schools are just one of the most important things we have going right now? Yeah, you know, sports teaches you discipline, um, strive for excellence, teamwork. You know, all those things are incorporated in sports. 
And, you know, sports just help out tremendously in life. It teaches you how to be disciplined, what you do, take care of assignments, execute at all times, and uh, work extremely hard. So sports are a big, big time for kids nowadays. Well, you're fortunate. I know your lovely parents, and, and, you know, I know that you're close to them, and they've been a great, strong influence. Were there other uh, mentors, coaches, teachers, uh, you know, church you know, people that you met along the way that really had kind of a big influence on you? Um, big influence, I would have to say my great-grandmother. Um, I'm glad to have her still in my life. I mean, my pastor at my church, he did a tremendous job in helping me prepare for the ups and downs throughout life as far as uh, the highs and lows, as far as the, the competition of football and life it goes itself. And, just everybody that I was around, I had a I have a great circle of people that are around me, and I thank God for that. And um, everything's been just extremely well. I'm very blessed. Well, I was fortunate to to find kind of a higher power in my life, and it was just, it was something that I struggled with for a long time in my life, and it really helped center me when when I did you know uh, really kind of look inward and find that and and whatever that is. I know we all have different views of that. Uh, but it sounds like it played a, a pretty major part of your life and continues to. Yeah, it does. It plays a, a different role every day. The um, Let me ask you, did you sing in choir in the church? <laughs> actually, I've, I heard, did, you, I've uh, heard you sing before, so that's why I'm asking you. Yes, we actually had a group um, growing up in my church called the Promised Land Choir. Um, it was a group of youth um, at my church, the Mother Congress Faith Church in Birmingham. And um, it was a great choir. We sang all together. We all grew up together, so we knew one another, and we all harmonized really well together. So, I mean, we did some pretty big things growing up. Was Birmingham, uh, when you were growing up, uh, considered a big city for yourself? Did you feel that you had everything that, you know, you wanted to be exposed to, or were you anxious to move on and go to a different place? Because I know you still spend the majority of your time there, even though you're a Cincinnati Bengal, and I know you love going home to it and you're fond of it. Uh, so I assume that, that, that it really offered you a lot. Yeah, I mean, Birmingham, Birmingham has everything that you can ask for. I mean, it has great tradition, great um, hospitality, southern hospitality, people like to say uh, everyone is nice. Um, anything, everything you need is available in Birmingham, uh, Different restaurants, different clothing supply stores, um, different um, activities for your family to do outside. Great hobbies. One of my other fundamental hobbies were is drag racing. I love to watch drag racing. I can go 30 miles up the road from my home and go watch drag racing, or I can go downtown, have a good time, hang out with my friends and whatnot. So, I mean, it has everything to offer. So, before you go on to Huffman High School, I want to ask a question. Did you, first of all, what was your size when you were kind of, uh, you know, maybe graduating for, you know, into kind of middle school kind of thing? How big were you, number one, number two? What position did you play? And did, were you that, that in love with football, or was that something that just gradually grew and grew on you? Um, football has been my passion uh, ever since I started playing football. I mean, I watched my younger brother. I was always too big to play football, so... Uh, one year I played Little League, they had an unlimited team. I was the youngest guy on the team. I was in the fifth grade, and I was playing against seventh and eighth graders and even some ninth graders out there playing with us. And I was out there competing against them, and I was doing really well, and that was the first time I ever played football. From that point on, I just loved the game of football, just to know that you can go out there and 
really just dominate someone, compete, you know, dominate them the entire game. You can physically hurt someone and not get in trouble for it. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what can beat that? <laughs> so you attended Huffman High School where you were a three-year starter, two-time All-State selection, Class 6A Lineman of the Year in 2005, and you were voted Mr. Football by the Alabama Sports Writers Association. You were the only lineman to ever win the honor in the association's 23-year history. You also earned high school All-American honors by USA Today and were selected to play in the 2006 U.S. Army All-American Bowl, and you were one of four finalists in the 2005 Walter Payton Trophy given to the nation's most athletic high school football player. I mean, just take us down memory lane and share some of those high school memories because those are remarkable achievements for someone who was too big to play football and yet, you know, had the passion and the drive. And as I've gotten to know you, it's clear to me that, you know, not only are you very smart and gifted, but you also are very committed. And when you make up your mind to do something, you know, once you really make up your mind to do it, you can do it. And and you're the best at it. So I'm curious, what were some of the memories, probably the the one thing that really stands out for you during all of these achievements and honors? Oh man, a lot, a lot, a lot. Probably when they um, Mr. Football. That was probably one of the most memorable moments I have growing up playing football back in Alabama. I mean, to be the only lineman ever to win in 23 years. I mean, to be able to go against the top players in Alabama. We had a couple of guys that did play D1 football, and they doing they did a tremendous job while they were in college, and just to be able to beat the running back, the quarterbacks, the receiver, the defensive backs, or whoever it is that was up for their position, just to beat those guys and to be an offensive lineman was a tremendous uh, gratitude for me and my family. So, I mean, we were all excited about it. And you brought up the Walter Payton Award. Um, a guy on my, on my team, actually, now he won. He beat me out for that award, Taylor Mays. Um, sure. And we, have, and we have this joke that we say about, like, um, during an All-American game in, in, um, in San Antonio, I was running downfield trying to make a block and he came from out of nowhere and tried to like lay me out, and we always crack about each other to that every single day. We see well, what happened to him when he hit you. We kind of um, stalemated, so to speak. He didn't win, I didn't win, you know. So um, we just leave it at that, and um, it was just great fun being out there with those guys. I mean, playing with Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin. I mean, you can name several guys that got drafted um, in my class '09 um, draft class that were in that game with me. So. We like to make the argument all the time that the class all now was the best class ever to get drafted. So, I mean, it's just been great fun with um, seeing those guys turn around, being successful in college and being able to make it to the NFL. So, I mean, it's been pretty exciting. Did you understand at the time what a big deal it was with all these awards and what was happening? And did you know that football, did you feel that football was going to become your career? Um, I knew it. Um, I had I, Going into high school, I told my principal that I was going. To be, I was in a. I was on a seven-year program that I was going to be in high school for four years. Then I was going to leave from high school and go to college for three years, and I was going to be in the NFL. And um, I actually accomplished that, and um, that was one of my main goals going into high school. So that was really exciting for me to be able to do that. Well, you attended the University of Alabama, where you continued with your success on the field. As a freshman, you started all thirteen games and earned freshman All-American honors. Uh, by the Football Writers Association. In 2007, you were first-team All-SEC, and you were named Alabama Co-Player of the Week four times during that season. You were recognized as a Consensus All-America in 2008 and won the Outland Trophy that year. You were an All-Southern Conference selection 
And I guess you shared the Jacobs blocking trophy with, was it Jonathan Luig? Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Luig, yeah. So, you know, teammates as well. <laughs> I, I mean, Alabama, and we'll certainly talk about the draft since this is the special draft weekend we're going to talk about, and I maybe segue to it right now. Last night, out of the 32 picks, four of them were from Alabama, correct? That's correct. And and I know you were you're not surprised by that at all, and it just seems that Alabama continues to produce some of the best athletes in the country and in the NFL. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you think that happens. Uh, number one and number two, kind of the prospects for the four that were drafted last night, and maybe you could take us through it since it's draft weekend. We may get some phone calls about it, but I know you're a big fan of, of Mark Barron and of Kirkpatrick, who the Bengals got. What, what's your assessment of last night? I mean, the thing about Alabama, Alabama is the best university in the world. I mean, and it's just because Nick Saban and Mal Moore and the coaching staff, they just teach such discipline and hard work and effort and toughness and all aspects of football, and um, he's just a great guy. He's a great coach. I love playing for Nick Saban. Um, I have a great relationship now to this day. Um, he's a great guy. You can get in contact with him at any time. And um, I know that he prepared those guys just as hard as he prepared me going into the draft and being motivated for the next level. And Mark Barron, Trent Richardson, Drake Patrick, and – Dante Hightower. I mean, those guys are all phenomenal football players. And their game film speaks for, I mean, just their hard work and the technique and how they fly around for the ball, how Trent runs over people, and how Dante will come downhill and hit you, and how Kirkpatrick will do the same exact thing. I mean, those guys are just phenomenal football players that Nick Saban has molded over time through their time in college, just turned them into tremendous men, both on and off the field, and their, their hard work and effort has paid off by them getting drafted last night. Do you feel that all four will break into the starting lineup right away or certainly during the first few games or during the first year? I mean, those guys, they are tremendous athletes. I mean, I don't, I'm not the one to evaluate their talent. I'm just going to look forward to playing against, you know, uh, Mark Barron when we play Tampa, if we play him this, um, any chance in the future. I mean, I'm going to love playing against Dante just because of what he brings to the field. I'm going to love playing with Kirk Patrick against him in practice and then watching him play on Sunday against someone else. And then we played Trent twice a year, so I don't want him to have big games versus us, of course. But uh, <laughs> we're just going to continue to know the Bengals are going to be going to strive for greatness this year and um, continue to work hard. But I wish much success for those guys. Now, what was there a certain coach or football mentor that you had that you can credit with a lot of your success, or is it just the entire coaching staff that you experienced? I mean, or is there one person that really stands out for you? I don't have to say my position coach, um, along with Coach Saban, but um, more Joe Pendry because I spend more time with him more than anyone else. And um, he's just a great coach. Um, he's retired now. He's down there working with uh, the University of Alabama doing something else. But um, just his toughness and his desire to teach me technique and just his passion for the game grew on me and desire to be the best. And he pushed you and motivates you. He'll cuss you, but I mean, he desired the best for you at all time, and it translated to me getting drafted. And then a year after I left, we had another guy get drafted in the first round. So, I mean, it's just a continuous process of great offensive linemen coming from the University of Alabama and great football players. Well, the, the Bengals drafted you in 2009. You were the number six pick overall. 
Um, you were fortunate to have, uh, well, you had two agents, particularly the one that's talking to you right now. And uh, I would say that it's been a great honor to represent you. You've been a, um, a wonderful friend and, and, you know, a lot more than, than a client. And we've gotten to, I've certainly gotten to see tremendous growth in you and dedication and commitment. And I know the Bengals see that as well. And I'm excited to watch you go to the levels that I know you're going to go to. And I, I think that, you know, uh, you'll be a great role model for others. I, I do want to ask the question that, you know, almost everybody we've talked to on the show, and we're going on our probably sixth month, uh, has, has, has gone through obstacles in their life and adversity. And we have a saying on this show that, you know, adversity is actually a, a something that is a great thing because we all confront it and, and face it and it makes us stronger if it doesn't kill us. Uh, yours probably, you've had a, uh, a few things you've dealt with, but particularly, can you talk and maybe our listeners can learn from it because I know we have so many young people that listen to the show. Uh, it goes into 180 countries, and, and my question would be is, how did you tackle your weight issue that really kind of came with you into the league and maybe, you know, at di- different times as you were growing through your life? And, and as you said, at one time you were maybe too big to play the sport, and then, of course, it became an asset for you. Um, how did you tackle that, and what were some of the things that you could offer our listeners from a, from that standpoint? Just, you know, um that was probably one of the most, um, I mean, I did it to myself, but I mean, just the strangest ordeals I ever went through in my life. You know, just the way I gained a lot of weight, uh, then I broke my foot, then I lost the weight, then I gained the weight back, then I broke my foot again, you know, just the ups and downs, just growing pains, you know, and um, just to discipline myself, um, basically the fight or flight syndrome, either you're going to be lazy and not lose the weight, continue to suffer, and become a bust, or you just going to continue to fight and do what's best. You know, you can do, compete. You know, you're one of the better linemen, and you're just going to go out there and compete and have fun and do what you love to do. So that's what it came down to, and um, just gaining, getting my relationship back right with Christ and with my family and my fiance. Just getting everything back right. And um, this past, um, the 2011 season, you know, that off season during the lockout, I just broke it down. My mother and my fiance came up with a great diet, and we all executed the diet well together. And um, all the weight just fell off, and I was went back into training camp excited and ready to play football. And that translated to the, um, myself and the team having great success on the field and off the field. Would you say it's fair that you got to have a great support system? You got to have a long, a strong faith. Uh, a bit of a thick skin, and more importantly, believe in yourself, continue to believe in yourself, and believe that anything is possible. I think one of the things I noticed is that sometimes you think you can tackle the problems head-on without help, and that it'll just take care of itself. And one of the things I noticed in you was that it was like a moment of awakening or enlightenment, call it whatever you want, where you started to trust, uh, you know, you know, other people, and and more importantly, do you know it's hard work. I mean, I, I've gone through a lot of things like that in my own life, and and I always find it uh, interesting when I come across people who I know are struggling through things because there's a there's kind of a first uh, an awareness that they be, you know uh, that they have to come across, and then there's this kind of thing saying that I can do it. And then just put the one step in front of the other. And, and I commend you. You're, you're in great shape today. You work hard. 
you watch what you eat, you watch what you do now, and you know that to be the elite player that you will be and that you are becoming, and last year was a great example of that, you were as close to being Pro Bowl as one could be, and I know this year you will be Pro Bowl, and uh, I believe that you have gone through a, a bit of a looking glass, and I think that the people around you and you know, see that, and, and it does take hard work and dedication. But more importantly, I would imagine that your faith is an important part of that because you hear things and read things, and, you know, you're human and sen- sensitive, and, and you're one of the more sensitive people I've come across in this sport. Um, you know, uh, I think you've done a remarkable job at, at, at confronting that, and I think people see that. So uh, I do want you to know that, and and would you agree with me that the faith has been a big part of that? I mean, the only part of it besides the hard work, you know, just, you know, that I understand that God, he gave me the ability to do, do the things that I do on the football field, and he gives me the ability to live, breathe, and move. And um, I just had to realize that and understand that I couldn't do it by myself, you know. I had tried doing it by myself, and obviously it must have not been working because of the struggles I went through. So I just did a total 360, got back to doing the things I always did before I even got to NFL, the hard work, the prayer, the worship, uh, going to church every Sunday, and just doing everything in order. You know, that's order to everything in life. You have to do one plus two to get three, you know. So just to do that and um, just continue to, like I said, stay in the face of God and worship and praying, and that's me having much success last year on the football field. Um, what's it like going from high school into college and then professional football? What do you think are some of the similarities and differences that you encounter? You know, that one, you know, and what, and what things come up with that in terms of having to learn? Cause, cause it's as much mental as it is physical, isn't it? Uh, yes, most definitely going from high school to college is more of a, a mental curve for offensive linemen more than anything. It's not going to be more physical. I mean, because coming out of high school, you're going to be pretty much physically strong, but it's just learning the different schemes. You've been playing that same scheme for four years in high school just to learn something new. This comes with a learning curve that you have to adapt to in order to be successful in college coming out of high school. But uh, I was fortunate enough, you know, I had a great offensive line coach, Coach Conley. He coached me while I was at the University of Alabama for my freshman year, and he did a tremendous job with the transition process, and um, it was real easy. You know, it was just some of the, some of the things were similar. They just had a different meaning, I mean, different name, so to speak, not different meaning. But uh, though he did a tremendous job in uh, helping me transition from high school to college. Well, you know, one thing I've noticed about you is that you um, are not afraid to give help to those younger players that come in you know, and, and give them guidance. I, I've seen that a lot in the professional athletes who have big hearts and aren't afraid to share, you know, because it, it really is a process. And it really, I, you know, I've done this for close to two decades now. And I always tell the guys, first thing I tell them is be the first one in and the last one to leave. And that doesn't mean you're going to make it, but it certainly will tell the coaches if you're on the bubble that you're seriously committed and work hard, you know, and believe in yourself and, you know, go the extra mile because uh, you never know. I mean, you know, don't, 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 you know, dog it on one play because that may be the one place somebody's paying attention to you. So, you know, and coming in as a top pick, and you were the first, I believe, uh, Alabama offensive lineman selected in the NFL in the first round since Chris Samuels in 2000. Isn't that correct? 
That is correct. That is correct. And does that put extra pressure on you being, first of all, first-round pick? I mean, what you're watching now, you watch, you know, these kids, and I've had a lot of players I've represented that have been first-round players who haven't wanted to go to New York because they were afraid maybe they wouldn't get picked high enough or that, uh, you know, this pressure was too much and they wanted to be with their families. Uh, I know Luke Keckley stayed at home last night, and, you know, uh, I guess everybody approaches it differently. Uh, you know, you, you stayed at home with your family in Birmingham when you were picked, correct? Yes, I did. I stayed at home mainly because, I mean, I don't want to have to choose six people to be at the round table with me. <laughs> uh, that was going to be a pretty difficult process with me having a circle that I have around me. So I just played. I was a mediator, you know, to say, no way, I'm just going to stay at home and just watch it on the um, big screen. When my time comes, I'm going to be excited, be happy about it, and just move on and go celebrate with my family. So just to have that moment is share with my family was a tremendous feeling and um, it was a great accomplish- accomplishment for my family and I. What, uh, uh, who do you think was the best pick yesterday in the draft? Who, what team do you think really stepped up and made a, made a real smart move? Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who was the second most? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that for the first. Hopefully Marvin Lewis is paying attention right now, but uh, Troy Blackburn and the guys. Who would you say, is aside from Cincinnati, made an amazing uh, choice? Maybe the Patriots, because they do something they don't usually do. They drafted twice in the first round. Yeah. And, um... Bill Belichick went across, went against the grain the way he usually does, and Mick got some pretty good guys. The defense in out of Syracuse, and then he got uh, Dante Hightower, who's a tremendous football player who can play linebacker, or he can put his hand in the ground, play defense in. And um, he's a big guy. He runs a four six. He weighs like two hundred and sixty five pounds. So it just speaks of his athleticism and what he can do for you on the defensive side of the ball. Right. There was a lot of moving around by teams. I mean, you know, just even since even the uh, Cleveland Browns trading up one spot because clearly they wanted Richardson, and right. they, you know, they gave up three draft picks for it. So it's, uh, uh, I assume somebody tried to slip into that third spot to get him. You know, whether it was Tampa or whomever. You know, they don't really say that too much, but it's certainly you and I, having witnessed it for as long as we have, saw that movement as uh, being protective, which is why. This process is so secretive and so agonizing at times because, you know, and it's not always a correct process. I mean, there's nothing. I know everybody puts all the measurements to it and the, and the science to it and the, how what your 40 is. And, you know, you watched Don, Dontari Poe put up 44 reps, you know, and go number 11. I mean, uh, it doesn't always translate to the field, and I guess probably, at least what I've been told by most scouts, is that watching film is probably the most important thing they can do, and clearly that's what the Bengals did on you when they picked you and knew you could move a lot of people, you know, so that they would pick up a lot of yards, so, um, but it's got to be agonizing when you're sitting there. Yeah, you know, um, I often tell a story about um, just sitting there, you know, I saw the first few picks go by in the 2009 draft, and I was like, whoa, like, something's not right. Maybe my phone's not working. So I had <laughs> two cell phones at the time, and I actually called my other cell phone to make sure it was still working, <laughs> to make sure I was still, to make sure I had service and whatnot. So, and then, like, a few minutes later, the Bengals Marvin called me and told me that I was their guy, and they were about to draft me, and that was such an exciting moment for me at that point in time. It still is. 
Well, you knew your cell phone worked. I'm glad they did pick you, and I'm glad that uh, I'm representing you, and I'm glad that we have an opportunity to to get to know each other and have our lives intersect and, and grow. We're, we're going to take a short break. This is Jimmy Gould with my very special guest and dear friend, Andre Smith. You're listening to A Current Life, brought to you by Smartwater, Ohio Midwestern College, and AdSpace Mall Networks. Please stay tuned. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Do you have career aspirations that seem beyond what you think you can afford? At Ohio Midwestern College, you can transform your hard work into a bachelor's degree in business administration, education, or Christian ministries. Call 1-888-887-4300 or check out www.omw.edu to learn how you can afford a fully accredited degree today. Ohio Midwestern College. Affordable. Professional. Genuine. Our open enrollment starts today. Call us now at 1-888-887-4300 or on the web at www.omw.edu. That's 1-888-887-4300 or on the web at www.omw.edu. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McClune will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and today I have a very special guest here with me, Andre Smith, number 71 and the first draft pick for the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2009 draft. And we're celebrating special draft weekend. And we're going to start this segment off, Andre, with a caller. I think we have Robert and Janie calling from Virginia, I think. So are you on the line? Hi. Yeah. It, my first name's Janie. Sorry. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I had a question for Andre. Okay. Andre, can you tell me how do you mentally prepare um, before an NFL game? Oh man, um, actually, you know, we, most of the times we play on Sundays, and I don't have, actually have a chance to ever go to church. So usually I walk around the field. We listen to um, Israel and New Breed, their gospel and worship CD, and I walk around the field like four times and worship and pray. And then from that moment on, I give my first fruits to God, and then I come back, and I turn on the switch and just, like, turn into the meanest guy in the world, so to speak. Not towards my teammates, just my mentality. 
I listen to um, different type of music. I listen to hip hop or whatnot. So I mean, I just transitioned from Christ then to like to trying to go handle business, do what He gave me the ability to do. So that's how I deal with it mentally. Well, thank you. I appreciate you talking to me. Thanks uh-huh. for calling. Okay. Take care. Uh, let me ask you, uh, Andre, what's a typical day like in your life? For those listeners that are listening, can you kind of take us through getting up in the morning and through the day and night, and also not just what you do or don't do, kind of your ritual and also kind of the mental approach to everything, like you just did on, on game day with, with our caller? Um, I'll give you a um, usual game day. Um, usually I wake up about 8.39, um, go home, see my family before the game, you know, put on my proper attire so I look the part while going to the game on Sunday. And um, just ride. I usually don't listen to music on the way to the stadium. I just think about my footsteps, my footwork, how I'm going to block certain players, my technique, make sure I'm doing everything the proper way, visualize so I can go out there and execute on Sunday. And then I get to the stadium, see my teammates, you know, laugh, joke a little bit. And then from there I get taped and whatnot, and then I – put on my pants and my socks, and then I go outside and I walk around the field like four times, like I said, and praise and worship the guy for those four times. I do it for four quarters and just go out there and um, just give it all to God and um, come back in, turn off, turn on the switch, and just start getting into my zone, so to speak, and to continue to you know, talk to my my right guard of the entire offensive line, then we meet as a unit in the shower, and then for like 15 minutes we talk with our coach. The shower is the biggest place in the locker room, but it's also the the most away from everyone place that you could be. So we just talk as a unit for like five minutes before the game. Well, not before the game. Five minutes prior to the game, and then we just go out there and execute as a unit, so to speak. Um. And on a day when you're not playing, such as off-season, where you have the workouts, what are those days like? Uh, usually I get up about 9.30, 10 during the off-season. Um, my, my fiance usually gets up a little bit earlier before me, and she takes our daughter to school. And um, she comes back, and then we eat breakfast, and then we go work out together. Then we come back. I come back home. She's gonna do her lady thing, which may consist of shopping and the nails and hanging out with her friends, so to speak. Go to lunch, and I'll come back home. Um, play the. I love to play the video games, so to speak. I love playing um, NBA 2K12. Um, it's one of my favorite games to play, and I play against a couple of guys online that I always play against. And my best friends they'll come over, have a good time. We'll have dinner so to see with my uh, few friends. And then I'll go walk around my neighborhood a few times just to burn extra calories before I go to sleep. And Are then you, after, what, what time do you normally get to sleep on a normal day like that when you're working out? Um, probably 9.30. Wow. And so is it hard to turn it off and go to sleep? Is it? Uh, I mean, are there side effects from playing the sport you know, we read so much today about the the concussion lawsuits and the things that you're reading about and how people play the sport. And obviously we've seen it and, you know, and I think the NFL is trying to do everything it can to try to, you know, curb injuries. They've made some changes to the rules and stuff. But 
obviously it takes a toll on your body. So you have to pay a lot of attention to maintaining your good health, right, and, and your body and what you do. And, and does it wear you down, and do you feel the effects of it? Um, not me. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still be a really young guy. Um, you know, my first two years in the NFL, I really didn't play that often. My third year, I played more games combined than I did my first two years. So just for me, I'm still young. I, um, I pray to God that I don't ever feel those effects that people say they have while playing in the NFL for a long time. I just continue to lean on my faith and just know that I'm in God's hand and he has a master plan for me and my life and what I have to do. I just need to be there to make sure I execute and do his will. So that's how I look at it. I mean, like I said, fortunate enough, I haven't had any of those come apart. I haven't never had a concussion. I've never had my bill wrong. I've never had a lot of things, but I'm just going to continue to strive and work hard and play fast like I always do. You know, I had uh, Coach Pat Shermer on last week. Uh, we were talking um, about coaching, and he had had an appointment to the Naval Academy, and he went to Michigan State and coached, and has coached with a lot of teams. And he said never did he dream that he would be able to work at a hobby. In other words, that football was his passion, his love, something he would have done for free. And now he's able to make a living at it, a great living at it, like you are. And you know, if you take all the football players on the 32 teams times, you know, I don't know whether it's 45 or whatever or 53, no matter what number you add, there's 15 or 1,600 players out of a population of as many as there are on this planet. It's a very elite group. And with that comes tremendous exposure, tremendous responsibility. I think it's one of the things that I've tried to instill in, in the players. I know you and I have talked about it, how important it is to maintain kind of a certain level so that you can withstand a scrutiny, which which is not easy. I mean, I, I'm sure there are times that very hard for a lot of the players when they read bad press about themselves or, you know, and the question I have for you in particular is, you know, you're succeeding in a sport and around you, you watch people, you know, fail and 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 how and how it affects them. How does that affect you when you see someone you care about a great deal get cut from a team and and watch that process unfold? I mean, it's a difficult process because you never want to see someone that you have a great relationship be cut from a team or organization. I mean, it's difficult at times, but, you know, that person, um, if they really want to play football, they will continue to work hard, extremely hard, to be able to play, be on the NFL team. And one thing that Marvin Lewis always preachers to us, so to speak, is put it on tape so that the other 31 teams in the NFL can see it, so they know the type of football player that you can be and that you are by watching the film, because just like you, there are 53 other guys on another roster that are playing against you, and there are 31 other NFL teams that could see you fitting in the position there with them, so it just always stresses to us to continue to work hard and um, have fun and do what you're supposed to do on the field, so I mean, just I mean, it's a it's a difficult process to see when you see get cut, but you know that there are opportunities out there for them, maybe on other teams or other venues, ventures in life for them to do. Do you have uh, do football teams have cliques? You know, certain players sticking really close together, and others that don't care too much for each other. And I guess the obvious are there is there a lot of drama in the locker rooms, or is it because it's professional, or how does that differ from college? Is there a lot of drama in the locker room, or is it pretty professional? 
Um, for my um, experience, it's been uh, great. It's been like a college atmosphere, so to speak. I mean, you have guys that are always talking to us about each other's schools. You know, we have a lot of SEC guys in our locker room, and they tend to talk noise to one another about which team is the best. And our locker room is great. We have a great camaraderie amongst each other. I mean, everyone on the team is striving for the ultimate goal is to win a world championship. And our coaches, they do a tremendous job with us as well. But, I mean, the locker room as a whole, I mean, everyone has a great relationship there. I've never seen any animosity from anyone in the locker room. Um, between each other. So, I mean, it's been a great experience. I can't speak for other locker rooms, but I know for the Cincinnati Bengals organization that our locker room has uh, great chemistry and great camaraderie. Yeah, it's a, it is a great organization. I've known them a long time, and uh, and I think, you know, the teams have been getting better and better. Uh, let me ask you this. How difficult was it for you to leave the South and move up to the Midwest, and was it tough leaving your family and friends, and, and were you homesick? wasn't really that difficult leaving my own, leaving home because I mean I had a job to do and in order to be successful you have to do your job so I mean it wasn't a diff- difficult transition the only thing different was I mean I went to the University of Alabama which was only 45 minutes down the road then I went from Alabama to Cincinnati which is about seven and a half hours um, driving um, there so I mean it's been a transition process, but it wasn't difficult at all because just being away from home from college actually prepares you for the next jump going to the NFL. And I'm fortunate enough to have a great supporting staff. Like I always say, my mother and father have never missed a game. And uh, I pray that they continue to come to every single game as they've always done since I've been in playing football period. They have never missed a game. Well, I know your parents are they're incredible people, and, and your mother, Nisa, is an incredible woman, and it's been a pleasure to to work with her and to get to know her. I'm curious, how have the lessons they've taught you about life applied on the football field? Oh, man, my dad, like I said, my dad, he's always taught me how to work hard. He's been he worked hard all his life. Um, he's not working anymore, but uh, he's worked extremely hard all his life with teaching you, paying attention to detail. That's been one of my father's main coaching point, so to speak, attention to detail and just how to make sure you do everything right at all times, work hard, compete. Um, you have to work hard in order to be successful and how not to be lazy, so to speak, just to be hustle at all times. And my mom, she's always stressed um, academics and having to, being very articulate and being very um, noble and being how you're supposed to be both on and off the field being high class both on and off the field. So those coaching points my mother and father have taught me throughout my life, and they continue to teach me now to this day. And um just going to continue to strive to make sure I make them happy and continue to work hard. Well, for our listeners, and um, uh, you uh, have uh, another woman in your life, and uh, I want you to tell our listeners how you met your beautiful fiancé. Uh, we met actually in high school. Um, we've been going together and been with each other for an extremely long time. We actually got engaged. My going into my my rookie year into the NFL, um, I asked my fiance to marry me, and now we're getting married June second of this year. So this is going to be an exciting process that we're going through right now, as far as dealing with the wedding invitation, um, picking out the venue or whatnot. So I mean. It's going to be an exciting thing for us to do. Um, I'm really excited. I, I've always said that we are, we've always been married. 
it's just me putting the ring on. That's going to be the only thing, and it's going to be legally we're married. So, I mean, it's just a great thing that we're going through, and I'm really looking forward to it. So what does being a father mean to you, and and what are your plans on having more kids in the future? And you're a great father, and, and I know that... Uh, uh, you know, that this is an important part of your life right now. What are some of the life lessons you're applying there? And, and you know, tell me a little bit about that. My biggest thing, I don't, I, I've been fortunate enough, and my fiance, we've been fortunate enough to have both of our parents in our life. Um, my parents have been married for 25 years, about to be 26 years. In my, no, 27 years. And my fiance, her parents have been together for 24 years. So, I mean, We've been fortunate enough to have the blueprint of how to raise a family together. Right. And um, my the biggest thing I always teach stress to my daughter is just being herself, having fun, being confident, um, knowing their father always have her back, and just always be nice and cordial at all times. And she's still a little baby; she's growing, but I just still have to instill those things in her. And um, she's a very I'm glad she's a very good girl. She's down to earth and. She's very humble. She's very soft-spoken, but she she has a, a little mean streak to her as well because she's a woman. But um, she just continues to um, impress me every day. Do um do you plan on having more kids in the future? Uh yes, my ultimate goal where I would like to have three, but my, we're a little split on that right now. But I mean. We'll work something out. I believe I can get it done with three, but uh, we're just going to continue to take it one day at a time, one shot at a time. Well, the um, important thing is that they're healthy, and, and I know you'll be, you both are great parents. Uh, I've had the, the opportunity to, to witness that. Um, and let me ask you, as you look into your future, uh, what do you see after football? Uh, as a football, I see myself being a coach, um, first on the high school level, then moving up to um, college because I love being around kids and helping them sharpen their game both on and off the field, just teaching them the hard work and discipline, showing them the way to do it and how it's supposed to be done and just making protégés of me growing up and of me while I was growing up and showing them how to be successful both on and off the field. So I would love to be a coach. Those are my aspirations. Uh, at Alabama? I would love to coach the University of Alabama. I mean, I played there. I would love to go back and um, take over the ring, so to speak, <laughs> from Nick once he retires or whatever may happen. Now, uh, as you look kind of at, this unbelievable dream job that you have because I know no job is as glamorous as it may seem but for many people you have the perfect dream job I mean on Sunday and I, I use Sunday now it's Thursday or it might be a, a, you know a, a, a Monday game obviously which is now all part of football I think this year we have a Wednesday game because I know that the Giants open on Wednesday because of President Obama's speech but I'm curious what are what is probably the most difficult part of your job that puts it in perspective for people? Because with the fans as crazy about the sport as they are, and the fact that you know they, they hang on to every single thing that happens, and whether a team's winning or not, what would you say makes it not a glamorous job? Um, I really don't have anything to say that doesn't make it a, a not a glamorous job. I mean, because you're doing what you want do as a kid growing up, you're living out your life dreams. Just to let every 
all the fans know that we're human. We make mistakes. We're human just like they are. And um, we make mistakes and just forgive us and just know that we're not going to disappoint you again. So that would be mainly the thing, just to know, let the fans know that we're human and we make mistakes. The um, question that really I've wondered about with you is, you know, and we've asked a lot of our guests in the past, is as you've gone through life, was there a particular wow moment in your life, that was something that just kind of just, you know, your eyes just opened up wide and said, wow, I found myself. I found what I want to do. It's perfect for me. I mean, or was it more of just a kind of a gradual thing? I know it took me a long time to know that I like to build things and that people were really at the core of everything that I did. Uh, I didn't figure that out until probably I was close to 30. And yet I tried a lot of different things and was successful at a lot of things before that. But what really was passionate for me was I liked to make things, to create things and build things and do them with people, and I liked collaboration. Was there a particular wow moment in your life as you were growing up when you just knew football was it and and that was it for you? Yeah, I have to say um, when I was playing Little League football, playing against Fulton uh, Wildcats, I remember it like it was yesterday. I had this uh, big guy. He was kind of big like me, and he was just like he was. He was a really good football player, and I just came off the ball one play, and I like kind of kicked him like five, five to ten yards downfield, and I was like, "Wow, this is really exciting! I really love doing this. I can see myself doing this a lot." And from that day on, I've been pancaking people left and right. So I mean, just to, just for that to be my wow moment, it was great. The um. As you look back on your journey, you know, I guess I'd ask you the same question I asked Bob Costas and Dick Vermeil and Pat Shermer and Nicholas Sparks and General Shelton. What do you consider the meaning of life? Um, life is uh, living in, in purpose, expecting to do right. By anyone and everything, life is just full of joy and take advantage of it every single day. So that's how I looked at it. Life is just living in full purpose, expecting to do right by anyone that you run into. So that's how I look at it. Well, it, it happens to be a great way of looking at it. I mean, to me, it sounds like you look at life as the cup half full rather than half empty, and you have a positive attitude about it. Is that a good way of putting it? That is a great way of putting it. Uh, as you kind of look back also, what advice can you leave with our younger listeners that aspire to follow their dreams? You see so many people every day, you know, that go and, and I coached, you know, then Pop Warner leagues for six years and, and watched, you know, kids grow through that into the high school program and then getting, you know, scholarships to college and, and look back on it. I, I would say, what advice could you give them that maybe will help them? kind of get have an easier time getting through it um any anything worth 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 wanting is worth working hard for um that's been one of my things my dad's been teaching me since day one so just strive hard work extremely hard anything you want you can accomplish it if you put your mind to it well do you think uh as we kind of step back for a second uh give me your prognosis on this uh season for Alabama? Uh, another championship, so to speak. Uh, you think so? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, we have the pedigree down there. I mean, we have, um, we always have the 
top two classes. Um, Nick Saban does a tremendous job in recruiting. And um, the coaching staff that he has down there, they are great guys on the defensive side of the ball. The strength coach, Coach Cochran, he's going to do a tremendous job with those guys and get them prepared for the season. I mean, I, I can see Alabama winning another, another national championship very easily. Do you feel that there's a a, a, a negative to coming out early? Uh, you know, I, I've represented a lot of juniors coming out of college, and I'm dating back to actually one of the first ones who was Herschel Walker. Um, and at that time, it was pretty well frowned upon. But I, I always felt that you know, uh, you know, if someone's decided on what they want to do and they're mature enough and that they're qualified because they're going to get picked high, that it's the right thing to do. Do you agree with that? And do you see any negative to it? And and, and particularly in basketball, where you see the programs being broken up, you know, and the kids are going for a year and stuff like that. What's your feeling about that? Uh, I believe that um, it's a great thing to have with the NFL, the way the way they make players go to college for three years before they can be eligible for the NFL draft. And I see the same thing with basketball. I mean, basketball players most of the time are fundamentally sound, pretty much. They have some things they need to work on coming out of high school and then extra year of college actually helps them prepare for the next level. So that player and that coach have the relationships where the coach can go to that player and say, look, if you're ready, you're prepared. Uh, you've done everything you need to do in college. You can make the jump in. If that coach gives you his blessing, then yes, I see it fine as to go. But if that player thinks that they're ready and they think they have the ability to do it, I think they should go as well. It's just on how you feel about yourself as a football player or a basketball player. So it's just just on where you are mentally and physically as a player and you know in your heart to heart if you're ready to make that jump or not. Well, uh, I will say this. Uh, it's been a delight to have you in my life, and, and I hope you feel the same way. I've, I've enjoyed representing you and, and, and getting close to you and your family. Uh, I appreciate so much that you were willing to share your journey with us today. It's an inspiration to so many that I know are listening. Our time is up, and, and again, we're very appreciative on this special draft weekend uh, to have shared Andre Smith's journey. He was a first-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals in 2009 and uh, has turned out to be a terrific player and uh, will be Pro Bowl this year. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off. And please join us next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, success. And to you, my dear friend, Andre Smith, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week.